Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Calmly Create Wealth Podcast, Canadian Investment Edition. My name is Marcel Mares, and I'm a portfolio strategist for Century Funds. Today on the podcast, we have Brian Brown. He's a portfolio manager, Canadian specialist, and we'll talk about the role of e-commerce in his portfolio, some buys and sells, and his outlook for North American equities. But before we get started with questions for Brian, I want to provide you with a quick update for the Century Canadian Funds. Over the last 30 days, markets have retraced the pullback in early September, and the Century Canadian Income Fund was up 2% versus about half a percent for the S&P TSX Composite Index. Similarly, the Century Conservative Balanced Income Fund, which is a 50-50 balance fund, protected better on the downside and was up during the period 1.5% versus 0% for the blended benchmark, which is the S&P TSX Composite Index and the FTSE Broad Universe Index 50-50 split. The driver of outperformance on the equity side was essentially or almost a no exposure to materials and energy, and both sectors were down about 4% during this period, and exposure to industrial, so companies such as GFL, which is in waste management, and Brookfield Business Partners. So moving on to questions for Brian. Brian, can you tell us what role does e-commerce play in your portfolio? There's quite a few names associated with e-commerce, including Amazon, Element Fleet, CP Rail, Pfizer, that you have in your portfolio. Can you comment on this? Thanks, Marcel. Before I get into that, I'll talk to you about why we like e-commerce in our portfolio. We are of the view that the rise of e-commerce offers long-term tailwinds as new technologies are enabling brands to establish a more personalized experience and improve relations with cus customers. According to one market research company, North America is expected to record the largest increase in e-commerce penetration over the next four years reaching 24% in 2024, up from 15% in 2019. Now, COVID-19 has undoubtedly accelerated the adoption of e-commerce as U.S. credit card purchases jumped to 32% during the COVID-19 lockdown in April versus 18% before the pandemic in February. Additionally, PayPal CEO Dan Schulman has mentioned that the penetration of e-commerce has outpaced their prior forecast by three to five years, representing a strong pull forward. There is some debate regarding the staying power of the accelerated trends, and we believe there has been a permanent shift. In a recent survey of 1,000 U.S. consumers, 60% of respondents expect to spend more online post-COVID-19, while 42% only expect a moderate change. So we're going to see you know, some, some consumers staying with those e-commerce trends. The implication is wide reaching across many different industries and companies, and we own a few of them. One of them would be Shopify. Shopify, e-commerce is the core element of Shopify's platform and provides everything for a merchant to set up and run e-commerce websites. Also Amazon, a name that we own, also known as Earth's biggest store and they have a great extensive infrastructure network that allows last mile delivery. Another name that we own in the financial sector would be Element Fleet Management. They're the largest player in North American fleet leasing and management. And they have a number of clients with solid e-commerce businesses. And lastly, on the smaller side, we own Lightspeed Point of Sale Inc. They provide point of sale software solutions to retail and restaurant industries helping customers with omni-channel capabilities. That's great. Thank you, Brian. Now, can you tell us why such a low exposure to the material sector? 
And we already talked about not having exposure to the energy sector in our last podcast about four weeks ago, which you can find on CI.com insights under the podcast section under Brian's name. So, so just going back, can you tell us why such low exposure to gold companies? That, that's a great question. And we have, we have uh, typically avoided materials companies in general because of volatility around the commodity pricing, which has been a very difficult thing for us to predict and has been problematic in attempting to protect on the downside. However, we have recently added Agnico Eagle Mines Limited. This is a Canadian-based gold producer that has eight operating mines, five in Canada, one in Finland, and two in Mexico. Now, we are bottom-up investors, but that does not mean we ignore macro, macro factors. And giving rising U.S. debt from fiscal stimulus, which could weigh on the U.S. dollar, we believe adding gold serves as a suitable volatility hedge in our portfolio. So we view Igneco as a quality company with a robust organic growth pipeline, having low development risk, and possessing significant optionality. Also, we believe that Igneco is poised for strong free cash flow generation. That's great. Thanks. Another sector that contributed was the uh, industrial sector. Can you highlight some names that contributed a performance during this period? Okay, thanks, Marcel. So one of the names that contributed to our performance in the industrial sector is Brookfield Business Partners. This is basically a private equity company. They had their investor day at the end of September. The stock had been underperforming before that investor day, and there were some key details that were very helpful for the stock. They mentioned that 90% of the EBITDA of the company has been unaffected by COVID. They also mentioned that virtually all operations have bounced back at the end of September. And we also found that that revenues were down 40% in April, but then they improved to being down only 15% in July. So we saw some good improvements in that story. The other name that was a contributor was GFL, which is a waste management company. They ran into an interesting situation where there was a short report on the company, which brought about claims of accounting manipulation, over leverage, and believe it or not, mob connections. These claims were largely unfounded and the financial aspects of the story were well known. So once the report was digested by the investment community, the stock rebounded. Okay, that's great. What about some companies that you bought or sold during this period? Can you highlight a few? Certainly. So in addition to Agnico Eagle Mines, uh, another company that we purchased during this, this period is Collier's International. Now, Collier's is a leading global real estate services company that provides commercial real estate services that include consulting and advisory, property management, leasing, and real estate investment management. We are attracted to their competitive advantages that include one, scale, given their global platform for multinational clients, two, high switching costs, given corporate solution software, three, long-term contracts, and four, a reputation based on the quality of their service. Going forward, we expect Collier's to continue offering robust growth and high returns on invested capital. Now, a name that we sold during this period is a company called Canadian Apartment Properties REIT, also known as CapReIT. Now, CapReIT owns freehold, leasehold, and co-ownership interests in rental apartment complexes 
in major urban centers across the country. Approximately 45% of CapReit's net operating income comes from the GTA, which is very attractive. While we have been encouraged by stable rent collections and firm occupancy, we are concerned with a number of factors that could neg negatively impact property value. A, a prolonged weak job market. B, a drop in immigration. C, shrinking government support measures. And D, the potential for further rent freezes. Okay, to wrap it up, one last question. Brian, can you give us your outlook over the next three to six months, given the uncertainty surrounding U.S. elections, rising number of COVID cases, and return to normalcy? And how are your funds positioned given this view? Okay, sure, Marcel. So our optimism that we've talked about in, the, in recent months, it has tempered with the rising COVID cases, U.S. election uncertainty, rising jobless claims, and a delay in another round of U.S. fiscal stimulus. So we're expecting the economy to still normalize as businesses reopen, but at a more gradual pace than we had anticipated. Co-manager Jack Hall and myself, we are continuing with our barbell approach, but we have been lightening up on some of our exposure to the cyclical end of that barbell, given the increasing risks. And that barbell included names such as CAE, which is a global leader in training for civil aviation, but given the reduced flying operations in the airlines industry, uh, it left us with a little bit too much forecast uncertainty. And also that barbell included a name such as Canadian Apartment Properties, REIT, which we had just mentioned, given our concerns over the negative impact on property values. Okay, that's great. Thank you, Brian, for your insights today. In closing, if you agree with our views and our investment approach, we encourage you to consider Century Canadian funds, irrespective if we're in a recession or a growth phase, we believe high quality North American companies are in a better position to withstand market shocks and thrive after the event. The Century Canadian Income Fund is a great option for investors who prefer a conservative equity approach with US equities bolted on for sector completion in IT and healthcare. For investors who prefer a more conservative approach, the Century Conservative Balanced Income Fund is an option. And finally, for investors seeking a bit more torque there is a Century All-Cap Income Fund. The Century All-Cap Income Fund is a blend of small, mid, and large caps and has approximately 40% allocation to U.S. equities. Since Brian and Jack have taken over these mandates in September of 2019, so it's been a year now, they've done a remarkable job in modernizing the Canadian franchise and performance has turned around under their oversight. These mandates are either first or second quartile during this time period, which was quite a volatile period with new all-time highs and a 30% plus decline and now a recovery. And so for listeners, if you want to know more about Century Canadian offerings or other Century funds, check out ci.com and join us next week for another update on Century funds. Thank you and have a great day. This podcast is provided as a general source of information and should not be considered personal, legal, accounting, tax, or investment advice, or construed as an endorsement or recommendation of any entity or security discussed. Investors should seek the advice of professionals prior to implementing any changes to their investment. Certain statements in this podcast are forward-looking that are predictive in nature, depend upon, or refer to future events or conditions. Forward-looking statements are subject to risks, uncertainties, and assumptions that could cause actual results to differ materially from those set forth.
Although the forward-looking statements contained herein are based upon what CI Global Asset Management and the Portfolio Manager believe to be reasonable assumptions, neither CI Global Asset Management nor the Portfolio Manager can assure that actual results will be consistent with these forward-looking statements. Certain statements contained in this podcast are based in whole or in part on information provided by third parties, and CI Global Asset Management has taken reasonable steps to ensure their accuracy. Market conditions may change, which may impact the information contained in this podcast. Commissions, trailing commissions, management fees, and expenses all may be associated with mutual fund investments. Please read the prospectus before investing. The indicated rates of return are the historical annual compounded total returns net of fees and expenses payable by the fund, including changes in security value and reinvestment of all dividends or distributions, and do not take into account sales, redemption, distribution, or optional charges or income taxes payable by any security holder that would have reduced returns. Mutual funds are not guaranteed, their values change frequently, and past performance may not be repeated.